Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Great to spend a Friday night with you from early childhood and throughout his life. Kedrick Olson has led a paranormal life that uh, began with seances, seances at a very early age and led to a lifetime of esoteric study and occult practice, specializing in runes and Norse mysticism. Now his clients and students learn to resolve paranormal issues, clear those shadows and discover their own sacred path in life. He has appeared on Beyond Belief with me as a very special guest. Kedrick, welcome to the program. Hey, George. I'm really excited and happy to be here. Thank you for having me on. I promise we'd, we'd do it, and here you are. Yeah, I'm excited. So let's go back to the childhood days. How did all this paranormal activity start for you? I grew up in a house that was extremely haunted. You could set something down on the bed, turn around, go back to pick it up. It was gone. Oh, jeez be in the bathtub as a kid, and you'd hear footsteps going up and down the hallway, but my parents weren't the ones doing it. You could be upstairs, you'd hear a toilet flush downstairs, or there was my favorite thing. We had the TVs, you know, where they had the old dials on it, where you had to change the channels. Click, click, click. Click, 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 exactly. Well, you'd be sitting there watching TV from across the room, and you could literally see the dial turning to change the channel while you're watching TV. Now, were your parents aware of what all was going on there? Oh, yeah. They they were aware of it. They made me aware of it. And so to help deal with that, we went to a special church. It's a spiritualist church. It's a lot like your typical Protestant church, you know, where you have your stand-up, sit-down, stand-up, sing, sit-down. Yeah, like a Catholic Mass, too. Yeah, exactly. Only this ended with mediums going up on stage at the end of it, and doing trans-channeling work where the spirits would come through the mediums. And then every Saturday night in the basement of the church, they would hold a seance. So I grew up learning how to work with spirits, communicate with spirits, and deal with them from a very early age and throughout my life. I, heck, I thought everybody did that because that was so <laughs> normal for me. Did you ever find out what was going on at the house, whether people died there or whatever? Yeah, my parents built their house in a neighborhood that was old farmland. And this was part of old dairy farm territory. So where the house had built, there had been, you know, different people who lived there who were working on the farm. And it was like the old farmer's boots that you could hear going through the house. It was just, you know, the people who used to live on the property when it was a farm, kind of exploring what it, like, what, what are these people doing here? This isn't farmhouse. This isn't place where the cows what do we do here so they're mostly confused with suburban life is it possible that the house was built on top of a graveyard on that farm it's possible but i don't see that we had any plottings like that i'm more inclined to think it was just where people used to live and they died and they're kind of going about their daily life that way did you ever get uh, harmed or you know did they try to scare you yeah, there. this is a weird thing about that neighborhood, is it is full of shadow people, lots of shadow people. And even people who don't believe in ghosts, when they come to pay us a visit, they'll be driving down the street and they're like, I was coming down to your block, and I turned the corner, and I swear I saw somebody standing there at the side of the street about ready to walk in the street, oh, and boy. I go to look, and they're gone. And I'm like, does it look like they're a shadow? And they're like, Yeah. Like a shadow person. Now, right off the bat, 
that's probably scaring the heck out of a lot of people. And it did when I was a kid because I could not go to sleep unless I had a TV on to cause electromagnetic interference in the room because they were just pestering me all night long when I was sleeping. And that scared the heck out of me. But over the years, learning how to deal with it, learning how to set up protection, learning what the negative stuff was and the bad stuff was, I came to realize that these shadow people really weren't the scary things. There was a scary place, though. But it had nothing to do with the shadow people and it had nothing to do with the house other than what I believed from watching TV shows and horror movies and kind of getting into, oh, these are all the scary things. Yeah. I got through that. Were there demons that ever uh, chased you around? The only time that there could have been potentially a demon, but I don't think it was. When I was a teenager... The kid, my friends and I, would go play out in a field near our house, uh, Stonehawker Park, it was called. And as we were out there late one night, moon was shining bright, we were just being dumb teenagers. All of a sudden, there was like this dark force that came down on us, like this dark sense of fear. We all felt it. We got up and we just started running back to our house. We didn't know what it was, but it was just like, this horrible, awful fear of dread. We couldn't handle it. We got back. As soon as we crossed over the railroad tracks back into our neighborhood, I called in for my guides, for protection, for beings to help us out. Yeah. And I was actually able to see like this dark horde of beings, shadow people maybe, that were on the other side of the tracks being held off by lighter type entities keeping them at bay, holding them back. And that was like one of my only experiences with potentially negative forces. But I'm like 49 years old. I grew up with this. I have never encountered anything ever that would be classified classically as a demon. Well, that was like the worst. You did a great job on Beyond Belief, and obviously you have learned a lot about the paranormal had you had any special training, or, or Kedrick, have you had a mentor who helped you along? I wish I could say that I did in in life, a, a, a human person, but I didn't. Uh, I remember being a little kid, maybe first or second grade, playing on the playground. And you know how we all have our imaginary friends that we yep. play games with? My imaginary friends were telling me about multiple layers of reality and how to connect with different kind of beings and different states of existence, stuff that, you know, a first or second grader wouldn't be dealing with, and we certainly weren't playing. But they taught me over the years how to set up certain boundaries, how to set up barriers, how to do different levels of communication, and how to touch base with what needed to happen. Like I told you, I couldn't go to sleep without the TV for the longest time until they eventually showed me how to set up protective barriers in the room, how to set a boundary and say, no, you cannot cross this boundary, or only at these certain times and these certain ways can we do that. Now, while I've not had a physical person teach me this stuff, I've seen, of course, we had the seances in the, the church and the trans-channeling. Sure. That was there. But I've never had a physical person teaching me seance in this way or communication or boundaries until I read the work of Alan Kardec, uh, his book of mediums. And that was like a revelation to me. I'm like, wow, there's somebody else here that can relate to the same experiences I've had 
who can understand what I grew up with and my own connection with the paranormal. So it's kind of self-taught and self-producing work out there that has been extremely beneficial to people. But no, no mentor. How often are you dabbling with the paranormal? Mm, that's a fun question, George. Here's my, my answer to that when it comes to occult and the paranormal stuff. Never dabble, ever. Either you go in both feet full on so that it becomes a lifestyle for you or, and a commitment, or you stay out of it. Because there are, it will change the way you see reality. It will change the way you interact with everything around you. And if you're not ready to make the paranormal a permanent part of your normal life, then don't dabble. You've got to go in fully respecting it, fully understanding that this is the way the natural world is and that you're tuning yourself into it, you're opening that up and accepting it as a part of reality. What do you think the paranormal is, Kedrick? I mean, what, what, where does it exist? What is it? Ooh, let's go deep on this one. All right. In the Kabbalistic tr traditions, we have something called Ein, an Ein Sof. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that correctly. This is the great infinite nothingness that has infinite potential. In the Norse tradition, where I come from, we call it Genunga Gap. In other traditions, like the Greco-Roman, it would be chaos. There's this great nothingness. Now think of this as the darkness between stars. This is the ether of the universe, that that ether of the universe can condense into consciousness and awareness. That conscious awareness can then condense into a subtle form of energy that we consider to be the spiritual realms and the spiritual reality, that subtle energy can then further condense into electromagnetic light and the, the forces that we see in our world, which can then further condense into matter and form. And so the paranormal is that subtle layer of energy that hasn't quite condensed into electromagnetic energy. It's still like virtual energy. It's still a very different frequency of energy, but it allows life to exist. It allows consciousness to have a coherent, cohesive form that can connect with other forms of consciousness and even get dense enough to manipulate physical matter in a way that seems invisible to our eye. That's amazing that, uh, that it's happening. And it was always part of the universe, wasn't it? Always. It's a completely natural part of our life. We hear words about the veil, the other side. What does that mean? Wow, this is where I'm going to have some conflicts with maybe some other psychics and other people who lead seances and that sort of thing. Because you're right, we hear at 3 o'clock in the morning, the veil is the thinnest. Or at midnight, the veil is thinner. You go into a graveyard, the veil between the worlds is thin there. Or certain times of the year, like Halloween, Samhain. But that's not true. That's not my experience. There is no veil. Absolutely never was. What the veil is, is a metaphor for our consciousness being able to tune in or tune out to our paranormal awareness. So we say the veil is thinnest when we're allowing our mind to be open and receptive to the subtle energies and the subtle beings around us. And we say the veil is closed or thickest when we are tuning our minds out of the paranormal awareness. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.